Welcome to And The Nominee Is, an Oklahoma podcast with a twist. Hi, I'm Julie Clemens, and I'm your host. So here's how it works. Each guest has been nominated by a previous guest. All of the guests have a connection to Oklahoma, whether they've just visited here, they work here, or they live here. This keeps the podcast fresh, fun, and right here in Oklahoma. Now you know. So let's get started. Welcome to the first episode of And the Nominee Is, and I couldn't think of anyone better to be my very first guest than Brent Douglas. Brent, thank you for being on the podcast today. Oh, happy to be here, Jules. I guess you're scraping the bottom of the barrel for somebody to come on here, right? No, you're the first no. person I thought of. So for those that don't know, if you've been you know, living under that rock here in Oklahoma or other places that you guys syndicated, you are the Brent of the Phil and Brent. And back in the day, they called it the morning zoo, right? On KMOD. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of where it was when I got there and we just kind of evolved into you know, let's let's just kind of figure this is ours, and we'll change it to Phil and Brent, and that it actually got us billing. You know, it wasn't just it wasn't just a breakfast club zoo or the morning zoo or anything like that. But and I know a lot of people already know this story, but let's refresh the memory. You didn't go to broadcasting school or get your you know degree in broadcasting. You were actually a pharmacist. Oh yeah, absolutely, and still am actually. According yeah. to, well, <laughs> technically I am. I've got about that could be oh, dangerous. You know that. Yeah, I got thirty years of continuing continuing education to catch up on if I want to practice anywhere <laughs> these days. But now I'm retired from everything, Jules. Everything except for grandbabies and puppy dogs and a little golf thrown in from time to time. Talk us through for those that don't know how how you got started on KMOD. Okay. What's the story? Well, okay, if we want to back up, we're you know it's like okay, so I go to college and I'm, I actually go to college on a music scholarship. Then the next thing, it was a real short line to get enrolled and stuff. So, I, you know, pharmacy line was really short. So <laughs> I was like, you know, maybe science, maybe math, maybe, you know, whatever. And so I took some of those classes and my roommate at the time, uh, he was taking or majoring in pharmacy. So, you know, why not? And I'll get over there and I'll figure out something to do in the middle of this and, and it'll be fine. So I went ahead and got in pharmacy school, got a license, got all of that stuff practice for about eight years, eight or nine years at, uh, I was working for Homeland right out there by Catoosa. There was a lot of times when there wasn't a whole lot of business going on there. And I had some, some downtime. So I always listened to KMOD and listened to Phil Jeannie actually, or Jean Triplehorn. You know, she eventually she wanted to go to New York city and uh, do her acting thing at Juilliard. And when I knew that she was leaving, I was like, well, what's going on? And, you know, I was talking to the boys and girls there at the station during uh, a Bad Joke Wednesday, which was a feature on the program. People would call in and tell jokes and yada, yada. And so I started calling in and doing the Fernando ca- uh, character from Saturday Night Live, the Billy Crystal character. <laughs> the, you look marvelous, you know that. And... Uh, <laughs> You know, so that went and, and when Jeannie decided to leave, you know, when I was talking to the guys up there, then somebody I was getting ready to hang up and and Charlie West actually came on the microphone and, or the telephone and, you know, says, you know, or would you be interested in doing something? Would you be interested in this? Like, uh, you know, probably so. So went to work for KMOD 
kind of on the weekends and stuff and it was to start trying to get you know ourselves together and see how we did together and all of that and so we tried it out on saturday mornings for a few times and and did that stuff and then it was like okay you're on the air and yeah they they let me learn on the air i didn't know what i was doing for you know a long time maybe still don't know what i'm doing (laughs) so what do you think your biggest flub is there in the beginning um about being on air you know (laughs) i i didn't say can i can i say is there you can say whatever you say what i want to say okay very good uh yeah i didn't say shit for a long time not i didn't say (laughs) anything for a long time i just didn't say the word shit for a long time and that took actually that took a little bit of self-control first initially was you know my you know my vocabulary is being spurred you know spewed out across northeastern oklahoma and (laughs) all of that in northwestern arkansas so i I don't remember when my first flub was probably the first day, you know, right, but, right. But I, yeah, it took me a few years before I slipped up and said shit on the air. And it was actually Barry Switzer. We had Oklahoma coach Barry Switzer on the air and we were talking about his new book and I asked him a question or something. He said, well, that's just bullshit. So we got that on the air from, from one Barry Switzer. So <laughs> I felt like the floodgates had opened for me. Oh, right. And, and boy, did they ever, right? <laughs> <laughs> Well, like I said, they were they were nice enough and patient enough to let me learn while I was doing it. You know, learn while I was on the air, and you know, and they did that because the talent was there. And speaking of talent, so when did you know? Did you or did you know immediately the chemistry you had with Phil? Because Mm -hmm. that, I mean, I can see if the chemistry wasn't there, you probably would have said, "Yeah, this is great, but this isn't my thing." I mean, you guys had to have hit it off. Yeah, absolutely, Uh, and we did for you know of course we were trying too hard i want to say we were trying too hard doing all these different bits and writing and all that stuff and and then you know they came in it's like the ratings came in and they were abysmal and uh, so we decided oh hell we're gonna get fired anyway so let's just be ourselves and that's, that's what we did it. that's what we did and that felt more honest and truthful than anything we'd done so yeah and that worked out pretty good we had a lot of uh, uh, mutual things phil was from fayetteville just across the border. I mean, it's not very far, same kind of culture. And we'd seen, watched a lot of the same TV programs, you know, growing up and stuff. So we had a, a basis for a friendship anyway. And then it turned into a, a love story, Jules. It was a love story. <laughs> a bromance. Oh, yeah. No. We, so we you were talking about the uh, the bits that you wrote. I mean, we have the famous Dyclexia, the famous Greek theater. And clearly, you know, we'll get to Roy here in just a minute. But what was the prep for that, Brent? Like, uh, let's start oh. with Dick Su- Dick Lexi. I can't even say yeah. it. <laughs> well, in fact, you know that was a tough ride because, it, well, it wasn't really a tough ride. It was it was tough getting it on the page where I could read it collect or correctly because in my brain I would flip flop back and forth and say, "Okay, I want to say it this way that I've got it written." It had to be written phonetically so I could do it and and with some confidence and not and not say. Uh, instead of shippity dip, that's dippity shit. So that, you know, <laughs> I, I would turn it around for sure in my head. Did the dyslexia, and that was like, I can't remember, it seemed like that was, yeah, Monday mornings. And then we did a top 11 list, and then we did Greek theater, and then we did Dr. Gene Squat, and we did. Uh, oh, Gene Squat. I forgot yeah. about that one. Yes. And, and I wrote it all. I wrote everything that we did I, I, other than the Roy calls. And those couldn't be written anyway if you tried. So well, and what I love about it too is I remember back in the day what I was amazed at is you wrote them, and I would look over at you, and you just had a legal pad, a pen, yeah, yeah. and just writing right yeah. there, like old school, right? 
that's yeah i mean i didn't get a computer until i don't know it was a couple of three years in yeah i would just write longhand and and i'd find some of that stuff in my desk you know i was like oh my god what (laughs) wow look at the thought process look at how many times i've had to scratch things out and start over but but that's what you do now greek theater Oh my goodness, Brent, <laughs> Greek theater, my favorite. And, you know, I always tell people when they're like, oh, I didn't get it. So I always say, then you need to listen to it again, slow <laughs> it down, do whatever you need to do, but it is hilarious. Well, so how did you guys, how did you guys do that? Or how'd you even come up with it? I don't know. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I really don't know. It just kind of, you know, I, you know, it was probably just from some conversation that we'd had. It was probably just by happenstance. It was just, you know, gaseous and up chuckus, which I guess you can figure that was after lunch that we were gaseous <laughs> and up chuckus. So, we, you know, I mean, and then, of course, it was just I, the, my medical background. It was that kind of thing. I can't even think of something. It's of genius. Kids. I'm just going to tell you that right now. It was well, genius. Well, thank I, you I absolutely love that. So, okay. So we're leading into the creations of characters and yeah. bits. So let's just go to the big boy. <laughs> it's Royville City, man. I'm, I'm thinking I changed my name. Should should have changed my. No, really shouldn't because they don't know Brent is Roy until I open my mouth. And <laughs> so let's start at the beginning with Roy. How did that start? Yeah, it was about 1992, 90, 90 or ninety. Well, maybe about nineteen ninety, and we started doing it on the air just for a bit to do. You know, started out calling uh, all our friends and relatives, which soon became our enemies and our ex-relatives because <laughs> we called them and bugged them first. Because we knew, I mean, you know, you had to get permission to have them on the air. And, of course, we should have done that before the phone call, but the FCC never never bothered us. So, uh, so yeah, so we did that. And that started, you know, just as a bit of us born out in our <laughs> Our general manager's cabin on uh, Ten Killer, yeah, no, you follow over like you follow, and it it just kind of came to life. We started something like that and started, uh, you know, jacking around with somebody. And it's like we ought to we ought to do this. We ought to say something about whipping somebody's ass and go back to, you know. And that was basically right in my wheelhouse. That I'd grown up listening to that kind of crap all my life. So was Roy based on a relative, right? Kind Roy, of. He was well. The voice was on one specific relative. Relative is my my mother's brother Tommy, and uh, so. But the attitude, all that stuff, that was just all my great uncles and uncles and cousins and all of that stuff. You know, when I was little, you didn't. It wasn't a big deal unless you threatened to whoop somebody's ass. You know, right. them was fighting words. You know, pretty much <laughs> doing that, and it kind of. So we decided to do it on the air, had done that on the air several times. And we thought the people kept asking we could get, uh, you know, copies of this, copies of that. And we decided, well, we ought to just do a record. We had, you know, a CD. So we had enough for actually two CDs and did the first first two. Well, the first one, no, it was, I think it was, yeah, the, there was one and two, volume one and two. And we put those out at Brad's Auto Parts and people were lined up ar- around the building to get it. And we sold like, I don't know, it was like 1,500 in two days. So we were like, well. This, this might be something we could actually turn a dime on and did and sold them out and stuff. Well, those phone calls finally worked their way into the uh, the president of Capital Nashville, uh, Scott Hendricks. And Scott called Phil one day. Of course, Phil was a program director at that time. But he was program director. You know, so he got calls from record reps all the time. And he gets a phone call from Capital Nashville. And he's like, man, we don't pay. You know, we don't play country music. Why is this guy calling me? And happened to pick up the phone and call him back. And it was Scott. And he said he had heard the tape. 
take that his aunt's wedding in Arkansas. And uh, so he's like, you know, would you guys like to, you know, come out and make some records and make a million dollars? And we're like, yeah, that'd be great. We've made records. I'm not sure we've made millions of dollars. We have have for somebody, but it wasn't for us, I guess. But, uh, yeah, and then they put them out in 1994, maybe, uh, that they Capitol Records released, actually Volume 1 and Volume 2. They We sent them, to us, sent them to them just the way that they were recorded. They mastered them, and they put them out, and actually, we got a gold record from the first album. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that continues to blow my mind, but yeah, <laughs> you know. So that was, in fact, we're probably pretty close on a couple other ones, but I haven't looked at that kind of stuff in a long time. So, because it's nice to see, and but uh, you know, it's not the reason why we did it. It was just to kind of, you know, give people a laugh and start the day off. And that was the way we did everything. You know, we were just in there to try to have fun and try to make people have fun that are listening to us. And, and yeah, that actually happened. So that's the best deal we could have done. Best thing we could have hoped for, really. One thing I think of in particular, and I don't even know if listeners would um, remember this, but I remember when we were moving from one building to the next. So we moved from 41st Street to Memorial. Right, right. And I were you guys one of the last? <laughs> Last ones to move we or were, first? No, Phil and I were the last ones left in the building you know, over on over by Bishop Kelly. And, and you found the helium tank. <laughs> Did you really? No, you found it. I was saying oh, you the helium, guys the helium tank. Oh, I get it. Yes. I get it. Yeah, we, I remember um as we were moving, someone <laughs> said, Oh my god. Phil and Brent found the helium tank. <laughs> so I guess we had one from promotions, you know, for balloons and stuff like that. And so do you remember that? Like doing, doing the, that on the air? I do. Doing that, doing the whole show or trying to do the whole show on helium. And it was hysterical. We were laughing, dying laughing. And then, and then we both got blinding headaches at about the same time. So <laughs> we decided that. We'd, somebody should have got us, you know, laughing gas instead of helium. That would have been better. But they like, I don't think they would send us any laughing gas. We, any dentist with half have a brain wouldn't have done that. <laughs> well, and the the old building. So yeah. I remember you telling the story, and I'm just going to lead you into it because I don't remember the details. But the right. old building, Leon Russell performed in the parking lot for you guys. Um, he well, not for us, but with Charlie West. Charlie was a, the program director. The guy that hired me was a program director at the time. And yeah, Leon was around and and liked like KMOD and like you know he probably was familiar with a couple of the guys there. But yeah, so you he, didn't know him at the time. No, I did. I wasn't there actually. This was done way before I came. Charlie West, you know, interviewed. I think it was probably in the. 80s i'm gonna say maybe ah okay. but yeah he, he hauled his electric piano out to the parking lot of the station and did an impromptu couple of songs did somewhere over the rainbow and something else that's incredible well it was very it was very cool and that that still exists you know we still we played that on camera when you and i were there yeah uh, i remember in, that in rotation so it was always heavenly days you know right <laughs> that we are on the, we are on the rainbow station and that led him just somewhere over the rainbow and yeah if you've heard it it's a it's a it's a classic it's it's a, it's a leon uh, one of those you know pearls that you find out about later on that you hear it's like oh my god was that on the stage because I, I didn't remember it when i got there but sure did afterwards so what what are the most memorable because i know on 41st street we didn't have our own studio we went to memorial and it was like 
an, an amazing. We had our oh, studio wow. for that live band experience. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Do you have something in mind, like some funny memories or your favorite performance? You know, on the morning show. You know, I don't want. To, I, I know you love them all because they're all your <laughs> friends, but you know, we don't want to go. You know, hurt anyone's feelings. But is there a a memory that stands out to you from those days, from those Fridays? Wow, about when we had bands or when we moved the yeah, station? Yeah, when we had what? bands. Okay. Is there okay. um, even even a funny moment or the best? I mean, I'll oh. tell you what. I loved it on Fridays because I knew your brother was going to bring in barbecue. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> he really, he really did. And you know, back before that, even my wife would make homemade cinnamon rolls and send up a big batch of them on Friday when the band would get there. Okay, you know, wait, so. hey. Why didn't she do that when I was there? You weren't there. <laughs> I, I wish we'd save some for you because they were they were fantastic. Oh man! Yeah. So you know we did that, and Kevin would bring in some barbecue, and we had let me see to start off with. In fact, I called my buddy from high school, Larry York, and uh, Larry was the son of my band director in high school, Paris York. And Larry, of course, worked at the music store. That was his place with his, along with his dad. And I asked Larry, you know, would you be interested in getting a band together and coming up on Friday mornings and play some live music? And so he got, uh, let's see, David T. Garden, Larry Bell, Larry York, Mike Bruce, Don Colopy, and Keith Cooper on horns and stuff. So that was our that was our backbone of the band and, and we didn't have any outside bands at that time. It was just them. They were the house band and stuff. And and I tell you one of the great memories that I've got of that is when Jamie Foxx came to the stadium or the station. You know, he was on Oh my living, gosh, I didn't know that. Yeah, he was on uh, in Living Color at the time. And we had the, he was there on a Friday and the band started playing and you know, he ended up playing the Ray Charles in in Ray, you know. So we knew he was, was well, we didn't know he was that musical, but he said, "Man, let me let me sit in on keyboard." You know, and we're like, "Go for it." You know, <laughs> what, what what if you want to do whatever you want? And he did and sang a couple of tunes and just played with a band. We were there and it was, it was awesome. You know, it was wow. really cool, really cool. But really the coolest thing about the band is the band. You know, I mean, Mike Bruce and David Teagarden played with Bob Seger. I played with, I think, Taj Mahal. And I can't remember. I'm going to blow smoke up somebody's rear end. Uh, but anyway, it was a bunch of great musicians. Dave, you know, Dave Teagarden was with Bob Seger and has a Grammy, has his own recording studio. You can go in there and ask him if he'll show you his Grammy. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it was very cool. And Larry, you know, played with everybody. Mike Bruce was there and Mike gave lessons at the music store for years and years. Great guitar player, great jazz and rock guitar player. And then Mike left the band and Leonard Townsend came on the band. We had him playing out of a out of a closet, out of a supply closet for the first year. I mean, several years. You know, I was in there and crowding those. So, so T Garden couldn't set up his drum set. There was no room back there, and they were all they got to know each other really well back there, crammed in that closet. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Then we moved over to the other building, the new building there on Memorial, and had our actual own studio. We had a studio in the to set up a band and stuff with. And Steve Davis was recording engineer on all that stuff. And Clark Dixon came in and would take over and run about, you know, 80 feet of cable down the hallway and, uh, you know, hooking that thing. We'd, I, I couldn't turn on. In fact, I got computer difficulties with this today. So <laughs> if they didn't put me in charge of anything technical. Thank God Steve was there and did it all. But, 
but yeah, we actually had a studio where the guys could spread out and do that uh, their thing, and and then eventually we kind of got because we'd get Debbie Campbell, we'd get Bill Davis, we'd get Wanda Watson, and we always had a blast on Christmas because they would all come in and all do Christmas tunes. The band would come in, Paris would come in and play Barry Sax, and and was so cool. But then we got to using uh, getting local bands. Uh, you know, Promo Dave was there and. Dave played, you know, in a band, in several bands, himself played bass, and he knew all those guys. So he would bring in uh, Paul Benjamin and uh, Jesse Acock, numerous, numerous local bands. In fact, the the little kids out there in, uh, where was it, in Coweta, I think, was out there with Triple uh, X, you know, and they came on. <laughs> I they, remember that. Yeah, yeah. They, they were rocking little guys, man. And uh, so anyway, that was cool to, you know, get to see all those bands, get to see all those people, some of the Tulsa sound legends you know right. through there i mean larry bell played with leon forever played with jj kale uh larry god rest his soul he was with us for a while but uh <laughs> that boy was seedy you talk about man, the whole band was seedy you know? <laughs> was just a bunch of goons which we had a good time talking to him between breaks and at the end of songs and all that kind of stuff which is really cool it was very it was i, I live for friday morning we did friday morning live we did a sports thing there on Friday. We, you know, we were stunt boys. We had, uh, you know, big cows out there and we played Bevo Bingo. So we had a, a big thing, <laughs> you know, marked off on this field. All these numbers put in like a bingo card. And if your cow plopped on your square, you won. And, <laughs> and that, so it was, <laughs> we, you know, we did the thing with, with Al Jerkins. We did a pig pick em on Friday and this guy would haul out this pig and he would go, we'd set two bowls out there, one from one team and one for another team. And whichever one the hog ate out of, that was the prediction, <laughs> you know? So yeah, we were, we were big on livestock in those days. <laughs> well, so 27 years yeah. on the morning show with KMOD. Yeah. It was probably, we were very proud of it. It was probably the longest time any two guys were on the air in the morning for that long, I just don't think it happened in the country at all. There were so many people that moved in and out and changed radio stations. We started at KMOD. We ended at KMOD. Uh, that's the only job in radio I've ever had was that one. I'm one and done. I'm done. You know, did that one and retired. You don't need anything else, right? Well, no, it was a hell of a ride. We had a great time. And uh, so let me tell you, though, you had radio, but you also got to stretch your acting chops a little bit there, too. What do you mean? Well, with uh, the movie with Billy Bob, <laughs> the Billy Bob thing came in. It was so, so, so funny. OK, yeah. how did that happen? Was he just a a fan of, of Roy or did he hear KMOD? How did how did your relationship with Billy Bob form? Yeah, it was. uh <laughs> It was through another friend, uh, Mike Ship, uh, who actually went to school and played in the uh, ZZ Top cover band with Billy Bob. So he had known Billy Bob since, since he was a kid. And uh, in fact, I think they may have played baseball together at one time, but or picked daisies in right field or whatever they do. But yeah, um, he, I, I think it was it was Dusty Hill from uh, ZZ Top was having a birthday and they knew. And Dusty was a big Roy fan and we autographed a t-shirt for him and sent a couple of CDs and stuff like that. And of course, you know, Billy Bob basically heard it from Mike Ship and then Mike turned on Dusty Hill and then they turned on Billy Bob and he was just floored and loved it. And, and it was just like a bunch of people he'd grown up with in Arkansas. That's a, again, it's another one of those Arkansas connections, you know, with uh, Phil and now with Billy Bob and <laughs> In fact, I not too long ago saw him, and 
Aww. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Bill, I mean, you know, he won the Academy Award and he's still dilly-dallying around with my dumb ass. Uh, you know, I don't know why. But so he, one of my favorite stories with Billy Bob is when you said he called and uh, he wanted you to do the voice of Roy. Yeah. And you were surprised of who he put on the phone. Yeah, it was Matt Damon. He was <laughs> he was filming uh, All the Pretty Horses out in New Mexico and Arizona, I think. And um, he really... <laughs> He called the house and and it's like, hi, how you doing? He's like, you know, I've got Matt Damon out here, and he thinks Roy is the funniest thing in the world, and and uh, he's can I can I put him on to talk with you? I was like, yeah, it'd be fine. And uh, the boys, my youngest son and one of his friends, came downstairs and they were like, who is that? Who is that on the phone with Dad? And it's like she's like it's Billy Bob, and and she asked if it was okay if they pick up the extension upstairs and did and listened to a phone call, and it went on for a long time. <laughs> for a long time and they they were knocked out you know they were like oh man that's cool but in fact that may be the first time that jordan thought i was cool <laughs> you know? first and only time right yeah, that's yeah yeah that was it that was it so yeah so billy bob was uh filming in arkansas in little rock i was asked me to come and i'm like yeah we'll come and so i was gonna walk around the movies uh, the the studio and where they're filming and all that stuff. And uh, Andy Griffith was one of the stars of the movie. And I'm like, oh, oh my God, maybe if we can go down there, maybe I can actually meet Andy Griffith. So we went the first night. We went to, this was a, a dailies thing where they showed all the stuff that they'd shot that day. And was sitting in there with with Laura Dern and Andy Griffith and Billy Bob. And I can't remember who all, but we was watching the daily stuff. And we got to talking and hanging out and shooting the breeze and, and laughing and and. Uh, I got a phone call that evening from a guy that said, hey, was Billy's go-to guy. He said, man, be ready tomorrow, 8 o'clock. We're going to send a car to pick you up. You're, Billy wants you to be in this movie. And I'm <laughs> like, oh, my God, really? So it was like, you know, I don't think I slept much that night. And then got up oh, the next sure. morning. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, man, what the, what? What am I going to do? What, you know? And I get there, and they dress me up as a Pulaski County Sheriff there in the and the, and we were in the courthouse at actual courthouse in Little Rock. We went and and got there, got to the set, went to wardrobe and makeup and all that stuff. Was sitting in the chair right beside, well, between Andy Griffith and Laura Dern, and I was. <laughs> you talk about thinking you were on the Twilight Zone. That's that's exactly what I thought. It's like my my dreams are coming true right before my eyes, you know. But, but was very lucky to talk to Andy Griffith and. And we were talking about having comedy albums out because that's what he did back early 60s, I think, late 50s. Andy Griffith? Andy Griffith. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. a couple of comedy CDs. He did what it was was football, which is a great analogy. It's just a country guy telling stories. And he did, uh, what was it, Romeo and Juliet as a as a country guy, you know, and stuff. So he had a couple of those things and they'd been on um, albums long ago and they were being re-released. And I was laughing with him and said, well, you know, your stuff has been re-released and I had to go get a copy of it. And he looked at me and grinned real big and he said, yeah. And you know, they still have to pay it. And I was like, yeah, they still got to pay you. <laughs> You've sent them a bill. So anyway, so I dressed up as the, as the sheriff and Billy Bob brought everybody together and he said, all right, Brent, we're going to start with you. And my mouth went really dry, really dry at the time. What is it? What are you? He didn't, I didn't even know. And he said, I don't care what you do. I don't care what you say. As long as you say something about whooping somebody's ass. And that's all I need. <laughs> 
And and my wife was sitting back there by the uh, monitor, and Billy Bob was watching into that. He was laughing. And he said, "Man, I got Roy Mercer and I got Andy Griffith in the same movie. I'm I've gone to heaven." And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" It meant that much for him. And of course, Andy, you know, to get him to say something about what was it? Somebody had the bleeding piles, and somebody. I it was it was bad. It, it, it was hard to get Andy to say. It was pecker tracks and uh, bleeding piles. And so I was like, you know. And Andy is like, you know, that came out of left field for him. So anyway, yeah. So I started, they rolled the tape and the rest is history. He just wanted you to improvise. Yeah, that was it. That, he just, wow. He, yeah. And I was talking about Sharon Jean flushing something down the toilet and causing all kinds of horrible uh, problems and everything's <laughs> overflowing. And, you know, so I was calling a plumber or something and told him I was going to come and whip his ass if he didn't go out there and clean my toilet water off the bathroom floor. <laughs> and. But some of, some of that you can hear and some you can't hear because they've got lines as they're coming in. I'm, I'm manning the uh, metal detector there at the front of the jail. And so I was supposed to check them through. And uh, they had lines at the time I run through the first time. I didn't realize anybody else had lines. So I talked over all of them. So we had to do it one more time when I knew what was coming. You know, I said, that's the trouble, Billy Bob. You know, when you get me to ad living, I'll just, I'll take over. You won't, <laughs> you won't get anybody that will have a word in edgewise because I'm in my own little world over here. Did it? It actually made the movie that didn't edit my ass out of there. So that was nice. And what's the name of the movie? It's Daddy and Them. That's what it's called. Daddy and Them. Daddy and Them. Daddy and Them. It was the first movie after that he directed, wrote, and starred in since Sling Blade. That was the first one. He did the same thing he did in Sling Blade. So this one didn't win an Academy Award. I get checks every now and then for, from royalty stuff. One, a couple of times I had a good one. The last two, two or three, it's been like 30 cents, 20 cents, 12 cents, you know, that kind of thing. It cost them more to process that and mail it than it did for the right. Text. And I called Billy Bob and told him, I, was, I said, man, if this 30 cents puts me into another tax bracket, I'm coming to whooping your ass. <laughs> and he just laughed. He, it was well, and just like uh, you with Roy, Billy Bob is probably best known for Sling Blade, right? I mean, yeah. that's yep. when you say his name, that's immediately what I think of anyway. Mm, yep. That's the way you do it. That's the way you kind of talk. Mm, I had an uncle that used to have more to say than he had there. And yeah, we knew guys like that. And yeah, Sling Blade. And then, of course, uh, oh, gosh, hell, he did. Um, uh, what was the one that was on the moon where they had to have? Oh, I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. We had Bruce, Bruce Willis. Bruce Willis, yeah. Yeah. Armageddon. Thank you very much. So 27 years. It's all over. So then... How much time is spent at home? How much time is spent at the lake? And how much time is spent with grandchildren? Because now you have, what, do you have five, I, four, I four grandchildren? I have four. Yeah. Oh. I've got two older ones that's like 16 and 10. No, 16 and seven or eight, I guess. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe he's 16. Is oh, he driving? Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's going to be driving pretty soon. So oh. watch yourself. But uh, yeah. <laughs> right. But yeah. And then, uh, you know, then we got one that's about. 10 and then we've got two down in austin clayton is um just turned three and he's got a new baby sister that's not six months old yet so yeah we were very happy it was very happy and she's got us both wrapped around her little finger i know that i bet she does yeah i bet she does oh my goodness because all we got was dirty hairy legged boys for a long time yeah we we got a nice squealing little girl now so we're we're good kind of bounces out but yeah so so then downtime now 
you know, I, I'm going to throw in the pool, the lake, sure. the grandchildren, but sure. you know, I can't let this go without saying, I know you do some yoga in there too. Yeah. Yeah, I do for sure. I did yoga with you for what, eight, 10 years, something like that. Something like that. Something that, like yeah, that. Long yeah. time. And yeah. you know, your stuff now. I do. And uh, I don't do it near as much as clockwork as I did with you. Cause I, I have a trouble getting on my ass off the couch, for, but uh, yeah, oh. you know, doing that, hanging out with the grandkids and playing with the big old 80 pound lab over here and, and uh, looking to get actually looking to get another English bulldog pup, maybe this summer. So, you know, oh, that, good. And that, yeah, and that, that keeps us busy for sure. And, and the pool and all that. I like, I like to hang out back there and, and just uh, float around and, soak in the mother nature same thing on the golf course you know yeah out there because I, I i i used to be real serious about it and it would eat me alive you know when i'd go out and shoot a bad round so i through that and then i started just okay it's fun i'm gonna have fun and have a good time with my friends you're I'm retired like, i'm sorry yeah i retired exactly so we've come to the um, end of our podcast. And um, so what we like to do is nominate the person for the next podcast. So that's the lovely thing about this show is really the guests on the show nominate the next guest. So in huh. your best Roy voice, Mr. Brent, huh. would you mind nominating the next guest of And the Nominee Is? I'm not I'm not sure I can do it and hold a candle that Billy Bob feller. I don't know. I'll have to try give it a shot there. Well what who I'd like to nominate there, Miss Julie, is, is a feller that started with that that radio station at ninety seven dot five that was out there and he, he, he we worked with this old boy for quite a while and he graduated from radio and went all the way to OU football, OU Sooner football and then of course he does the, the volleyball and the women's track and the men's polo team and the underwater freestyle synchronized diving all that <laughs> he calls whatever they got he calls it and that's chris plank chris plank we we always knew that he was in for something good and and yeah he went from kmod to uh well it's with the sooner network sooner sports network and so awesome. yeah he, he's had some oklahoma ties too so you, you ought to talk to him. He's, he's probably got many stories. Absolutely. Will do. Well, thank you for nominating uh, Chris Plank. And thank you for being my first guest on And the Nominee Is. Oh, Thanks, Brent. You're very welcome. It's good to be here. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of And the Nominee Is. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.